Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. What brings you instant delight? Shout it out. I'll show Chocolate. That was really quick. That was instantaneous. Flowers. A hug from your grandkids. A baby's giggle. What brings you instant delight? A bookstore. A wagging tail. A wagging tail. Sandy beaches. Sandy beaches. What did someone say? Gleaners. Gleaners. Yeah, and particularly when you find that that thing at the gleaners, right? <clears throat> what was that? What kind of chickens? Silky chickens. Oh, you know you're in Creston when. What brings you instant delight is a silky chicken. What, what's that? Wind in the trees. Yes. Keep shouting it out. What brings you instant delight? A mountaintop. Bird song. Oh, yeah. A Canucks win. <laughs> Poor guy, somebody said. There was another one I missed. Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. A river that is fine. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I, had, I had moments of delight this week. I do a daily examine where I try to note the things that bring me joy, the things that also bring me sorrow every day. And uh, a wiggly puppy, that was at the top of my list when I thought of, of this morning when I was thinking, well, what brings me instant delight? And I went for a run with a friend this week and he had a six-month puppy along. And wow, that was delight. That was delight. Uh, be- beautiful. Uh, We have a lot of delight. Well, what does delight have to do with today? Let's see as we dive back in. We're into our master class in the Gospel of Luke. We had a little break last week for Kids Sunday. Wasn't that fun? Yes, I think it was. But now we're back. And as apprentices of Jesus, we're thinking of ourselves as apprentices here. As apprentices of Jesus, we're learning from the master how to grow like he grew. And we're, we're working, because we're apprentices, we put into practice the things we're learning. We want to put into practice his ways and his words. That's our posture. Well, how did Jesus grow exactly? In four broad areas. Picking up from Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Luke tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God, and in favor with people. All the people, man, however your translation, with people. And taking our cues from Luke 2.52, we're right in the middle of developing our own 2.52 growth plan. I hope you're, you're, you're just halfway through because you've been working on developing your own 2.52 growth plan for each of these four areas. We're asking, how can we imitate the growth of Jesus in our lives? 
As we look at Jesus growing, how does that provide a cue for us? And we've been challenged to get really practical with this. I hope you've been invigorated by the process of thinking through how should I be growing. I hope you've got some solid plans forming and that you've been putting them into practice because as we've been learning, putting truth into practice is the only way to have that well-built life that Jesus tells us about. Jesus wants for us. Let's quickly recap the first two areas because we've had a little bit of a break. So that we're growing in wisdom like Jesus, we have been implementing plans for a regular immersion in God's word, where we take the Bible and we figure out all the different ways we can soak in this. You can read it. Hello. But so many more other ways that you can engage the scripture. And we talked about all of those different ways from, from memorizing to, to, to listening to it and, and, and trying to, to just have regular habits of, of engaging it throughout the day or meditating upon it or studying it or getting a book that helps you understand it or reflecting on a particular passage of Scripture. We've been praying and planning and practicing these regular habits of getting the Scripture into us based on Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We look at Jesus and we realize that our wisdom grows in direct proportion to our knowledge, understanding, and reverence for God. Wisdom, as we learned, is a life that is aligned with the wisdom and the will of God. And so how is that Bible immersion plan coming along for you? Is it fleshing out? Is it taking shape? And we're all at different spots on that. But the question we ask is, what's that next step for you so that you can be more fully immersed in the word and growing in wisdom like Jesus? That's the first area. Second one is stature. So that we're growing in stature, we're implementing a healthy diet and exercise plan. We're looking for this way that we can, like Jesus, grow in stature by honoring our bodies and caring for our bodies as the very temple of God. Because that's what we are. Paul's challenge in 1 Corinthians 6, again, this is review. It rings out for us, though. Remember when he said to them, he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? These are sacred buildings where God, you know, is honored and worshiped and dwells. The Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so as temples of God, we've been praying, planning, and practicing regular habits of health and fitness so that our bodies actually glorify God and testify to his presence in us. So how are your health and fitness plans coming? You don't have to shout that out. I'm just asking the question. How is that coming? How how is it shaping up? What what are some of those steps? What are those next steps that you've been practicing in order to put the truth of God's word into practice in your life? Well, I urge you to keep working on your 252 growth plans, letting them develop as you continue to pray and plan, as you continue to practice these things. Uh, We're just going to keep working on that. But we're going to keep going today, because not only did Jesus grow in wisdom and stature, he grew in favor with God. That's where we're at today, favor with God. What does that phrase, favor with God, kind of evoke 
in you. Because before we brainstorm how it is that Jesus grew in favor with God. We've been trying to do that together, and we're going to have an opportunity to shout some things out. Before we get to how Jesus grew in favor with God, we need to make sure we're kind of on the same page with what that favor thing even means. Because if we aren't careful, we could misinterpret his growing in favor. We could turn it on ourselves and think, oh man, I better be earning some like special brownie points with God. Right? I mean, I've got to work hard to gain some sort of special status so that God thinks I'm his favorite or something like that. We, we can think that we need to curry favor with God rather than grow in favor with God. And these are two very different things. Whenever we start thinking of grace as something that we need to earn or curry, we are heading down a really sinister path, a religious path that Jesus came to save us from. It leads to death. How often is it that we labor under the lie that we need to curry favor with God in order to be loved by God? Or how often do we wring our anxious hands hoping that God will just, you know, we could just shape up enough that God will love us. We could just kind of keep all the rules and do all the right things. But then by the end of, you know, Monday afternoon, we realize, oh, that ain't going to work. So we just throw up our hands in despair. We could think, if we weren't careful, that imitating Jesus' growth in favor with God means that we've got to be perfect. We've got to be sinless. We can never miss a beat. Don't you dare miss a beat, etc. Or else. But that's not what's going on here. That's not what's happening here in this story. The word that's consistently translated through all your English translations as favor is the Greek word charis. Charis. Does anyone know a woman or a girl named charis? A a dog named charis? Okay, set that aside for a moment. Just think of a girl named charis. Anyone? anyone? Uh, I do. It's actually a a reasonably popular girl's name. And, And do you know why a beloved daughter would be given the name Charis when she is born? It's because Charis was loved from the moment that she existed. She was carried to full term in a loving mother's body. She broke into the world, welcomed and cherished and loved. Children are favored because they're our children. Each and every baby, whether they're Charis or Canny or favored or Fred, they are Love because of who they are, not because of what they've done, not because they've earned brownie points. And charis here is such a wonderfully rich word. It's used all over the New Testament to capture God's wonderful gift of life given to us. Charis is the Father's unmerited favor bestowed upon us, not based on what we've done. Charis is God's, uh, Jesus' freely given love to us. Charis is the Spirit coming into us. Charis, which is translated favor here in Luke 2.52, it really does mean favor, as in, you are so favored. You are my delighter. Boy, you are big in my books. Yeah, that's what it means. This is not favor that's earned. This is favor that is enjoyed. This is not grace that's grudgingly given because, oh, I guess so but it's grace that is lavishly poured out because God really loves us. 
And so in Jesus' life, growing in favor with God meant that Jesus was growing up knowing what a delight he was to his father, experiencing his father's intimate warmth. Growing in favor with God meant that Jesus was maturing into his wonderful identity as a beloved son of the father. And as Jesus soaked deeper and deeper in the fact that he really was utterly loved by the father, he grew in his experience of being favored, loved. So with that in mind, let's brainstorm a little bit together. We've been trying to do this every time. How did it happen? How did Jesus grow in favor with God? Like, what are the things in his life that contributed to that growth in favor with God? Hit me with it. I'll write it down. What's that? Say it again, Kenny. Time spent with God. Excellent. What else? Joy, joy, showing, thank you, showing forgiveness. Good. Practicing forgiveness in his life with, with others. That's right. What else? Yes. Understanding the character. I'm understanding God's character. I'll put it. Um, Yes, uh, character, knowing God's word. I'm trying to shorten it just a little bit so it fits on the line. What else? How did he grow in favor with God? Obedience. Obedience, yeah. What else? What do you do? Believing, okay? Humility. Something that Bonnie said at our small group really stuck with me. She's not even in the room. I think that part of how Jesus grew in favor with God and an understanding of that was actually through the stories his mom told him. And dad. I mean, he had a pretty great birth story, you might remember. A lot of things happened. Angels and shepherds and murderous kings and, you know, wise men traveling. That's a lot of stories mom can tell this boy as he's growing up. Like, that would have contributed to his sense of God's favor, right? Yeah. What else? Okay, two things at once. He didn't shrink back. And then, uh, Victoria? Loved being in God's temple. That's particularly, we noticed that at age 12, but then later on he's constantly showing up. But you also said uh, something about joy, Victoria. Just, yeah, sought God's presence with joy. Thanks for that. Yeah, that might not have contributed much to his favor with people, but with God it sure did. So he told the truth. Yeah, good. Uh, Two Pharisees. I'll just put that down. All right, we're out of room. 
We could have kept kept going, but let's just hold it there. So we're thinking about all the ways that Jesus grew in favor. But if you had to boil it all down to one sentence, can I play favorites here? With one of the, is that all right? No one's offended? It's in my notes, literally word for word. It's what Canny said. Way to go, Canny. This is why I always ask Canny to preach. In a word, how did Jesus grow in favor with God? Through time spent with God. That's how he grew in it. When we thought back uh, this few weeks ago when we were thinking about how Jesus grew in wisdom, we thought about how the life of Jesus was shaped by his Jewish world. He was raised in a world of work and Sabbath, of holy feasts, of sacred fasts, of daily scripture, of weekly synagogue gatherings, of regular community prayer, which was all centered around the God of Israel and his covenant promises to them. From the moment that Jesus was born, Jesus was immersed in the story of God and of his people. But Jesus didn't just leave the story on the page. He leaned into the relationship that he discovered there. He didn't just learn about his father and his promises to Israel. He would talk to his father about the promises he made to Israel. Jesus didn't just discuss with others, perhaps, the coming kingdom of the Messiah. He asked his father about his role in that coming messianic kingdom. And as he did this, Jesus listened and he learned. He questioned and he received. He he felt deeply. He wondered into it. He experienced all that came with that and he expressed it to his father. And in all this, he was growing in a deeper intimacy with his father. And that deeper intimacy that he was growing into was exactly this favor that Luke is talking about. We wonder sometimes, what was Jesus doing all those years before he launched his public ministry at about 30 years old? What was he doing? This is what he was doing. In the midst of his working and worshiping life, taking care of his family and, you know, doing regular life like like we all do, he was soaking his mind and heart in the very word of God. He was growing in wisdom and stature, and Jesus was spending a lot of leisurely time with his father. A lot. Like a lot, a lot. How do we know this? I mean, is it somewhere in here between Luke 2.52 and Luke chapter 3 that we read that exactly? No, it's not. It's not there. But what we do see is this. From the moment Jesus emerges publicly, he gets baptized by John, the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness for 40 days. We're going to get into all this. Then he launches this incredibly busy life of traveling and teaching and healing and preaching. What we see is that his life is punctuated by constant getaways with his father. All the time. Right, here's just a few examples from Luke. Luke uh, 4.42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Oh, I wonder what he was doing out there. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6.12, on one of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9.18, once when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him. Not so private. Uh, oh, Luke 9, 28, 29. Jesus took Peter, John, James with him and went up to a mountain to 
pray. And as he was praying, his appearance was changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of light. And there are some more examples. You can look for them. They're all over. What we see is that Jesus loved to get away and spend time with his father. And he did it whenever he got the chance. Even when Jesus was so busy, he hardly had time to eat. He was stealing away to spend time with dad. What does this tell us? Spending time with his father was a long-established, life-giving practice that sustained Jesus through these years of intense ministry. And why? Because the father was the source of his greatest joy and strength. And when was that long-established, life-giving practice actually put into place in his life, do you think? It's during the previous years. Jesus didn't just show up, start healing people, and then start spending time with his father, right? Then start going to the mountain. It's not like he, oh my goodness, I gotta get some new habits in my life. (laughs) No. When Jesus began his ministry, he already was in this depth of intimacy and, 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 and experience and being with his father. This was the source of his greatest joy in life so that when he was doing ministry, this is what sourced him. And it wasn't a one-way street. The father loved to be with his son. In the few times that we hear the father speak to Jesus, all we hear him expressing is his absolute delight in his son. Remember right at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is ready to launch. He's going to be baptized. We will get to this later. I promise I'll re-preach this whole thing again, I'm sure, in a different way. But what we hear is the father express his favor. Remember the words? You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Father that is spoken down upon Jesus as the Holy Spirit descends upon him at his baptism. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Isn't that such an expression of delight and favor of the Father on the Son? And then one more time when Jesus was praying up on the mountain, the time when his appearance was transformed with Peter, James, and John, we hear the Father again express his delight with a, a similar phrase uh, pulled from Isaiah 42, pulled from Psalm 2, the passages that Joanne read, and added a little command at the end for the rest of us. Pay attention to it. He says, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. This is my son, whom I've chosen. Listen to him. So how did Jesus grow in favor with the Father? By spending loads of time together. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, not as a ritual, oh, not as some religious rule, but as a friend, gets away with a friend. As two besties long to connect and look for any opportunity to get together whenever they're apart. Early morning, no problem, I'll be there. Late at night, I can do without sleep. Middle of the day, sure, I can cut out of work. It's just dad. Whenever they could squeeze it in is my point, they would share time, delight. And the question is, of course, what about us? When we look at how Jesus grew in favor with God, we begin to see how we're being invited into that. We're being invited to grow in favor with God in the same way. 
we are being invited because Jesus, his, I mean, read the whole story. Read the things he says in John. Read the things, the whole gospel. The whole point of the story is that we would get in on the relationship that Jesus has with his father, right? That's what he's all up to. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. That's why he dealt with our sin. That's all going toward this thing, that we would get in on the same relationship. And so what we quickly realize is this. In order to grow like Jesus grew, we need to do what Jesus did. We can only grow in favor with God when we spend loads of time with God. There's actually, I'm sorry, there's no substitute for that. There just isn't. And it's not because, you know, God's standing there going, listen, buddy, I'm not going to give you a shred unless you spend a little, that's not God. That's not the point. The point is, intimacy doesn't grow when you go, God, I've got three minutes, and then I've got to, you know, get on to the other things that are important. It is hard to grow any relationship with that. When you were first, da- if, if you are with a significant other, when you were first dating that person, I highly doubt you showed up at the door and said, I've got four minutes, make it count. <laughs> I hope you're not doing that now. But the point is, intimacy cannot grow when it's crammed in or doled out stingy, like, well, okay, you know, I guess so. Or when it's just rushed on because we've got a whole bunch of other things that matter, let's be honest, a bit more. Time spent with God is actually the only way, the only way we can grow in favor with God. Not because God's holding himself back. God has done everything possible. I mean, he sent his own son to literally swap places with us so that we could swap places with him, so we could get in on this thing. He sent us his Holy Spirit to live in us. I mean, he has done everything possible, but this is the way that relationships are nurtured with anyone. This is how intimacy grows. Time spent with, experience with, conversation with, listening, not saying anything at all, just spending quiet time together, being together just to be together. Now I know, some of you are saying, oh, great. I came here today, and what, he, what he's telling me is, you need to pray more. Am I telling you that? Am I telling you you need to pray more? Yes and no. If you are thinking by prayer that I mean, <sighs> you better shape up. You know, one of the rules are, <laughs> force yourself onto your knees. <laughs> some kind of rule-bound, ugly. That is not what's going on here. But if you mean, or think I mean, by prayer, hey, this is an opportunity to invest more intentional time into growing in this two-way conversation with a father who delights in you so that you can experience, know, taste, feel, understand his grace more and more than, yeah, I am. This is an invitation to be with the Father and to feel his delight for you, to hear his favor for you, to receive his love for you. Now, that might include folded hands and a prayer list. It does in my life at times, but it doesn't have to include that. That's beside the point. It's all about being with the Father. Here's the beautiful truth that we need to receive. The Father actually wants to be with you, wants to spend time with you. And some of you have a hard time believing that. Some of you had a father who was so terrible that the idea of God as your father is 
troublesome, let alone that he wants to be with you. Let him, the Father, the true Father, actually begin to shape and heal and change your own experience of Father because this is a good one. And he wants to restore to you what you lost because this is the Father who wants to be with you. Jesus wants to walk with you. The Holy Spirit wants to enjoy you as you enjoy him and as you enjoy Jesus and as you enjoy the Father. And time spent with, here's the thing, is the actual purpose for which you and I were created. Did you know that? It sounds so bland, hey, time spent with. Although some of you, your love language is time spent with. Well, think of it this way. It happens to be God's love language too. He loves time spent with. And he loves time spent with you. In fact, that's why he created you. We're not spending time with God so that we can then get on with the main thing that life is about. Actually, when we are spending time with the Father, we are participating in the main thing of our lives, the main thing of creation, the main thing for which your entire being exists. This is the main thing. Communion with the Father through the Son and by the Spirit is the very reason God created the universe he created, designed us as he designed us, restored us when we fell away, sent his spirit, sent his son. It is all about this. Communion with God, union with him, time spent with. God wants you. He really wants you. Not to just do stuff, but to be with him. He delights in you. And here's, I think, where there's a key, maybe, to our growth or maybe unlocking some of our hang-ups around prayer or time spent with. Or, oh, my goodness, I just left with a big heavy from the pastor. That is not what I want you to leave here today. This is the key, I think. The more we understand the Father's delight in us, the more we will delight in him. You hear that? The more we understand, the more we grasp, the more we experience, the more we see and taste and feel and know the Father's delight for us, the more delight we will have for him. That will grow our delight. That will grow our experience of grace. When we really come to understand the Father delights in us. He has done everything possible so that we can be be in this intimate life of communion with him because he wants to be with you. When we grasp that, it shifts us from trying to do stuff or straining or striving. Oh, I'm just trying to, you know, God. Rather, we're like, oh, wow, this is incredible. I kind of like you. It shifts things in our hearts and minds. When we ask the Father what brings him instant delight, kind of like we did at the start, I think he likes all the things we named too. I think he likes wind in the trees. I definitely think he likes wiggly puppies. Flowers. Silky chickens. I think he likes all those things. But man, what brings him instant delight is you. (laughs) Is your smile. Is your presence. Is your laughter. Is you, metaphorically speaking, running up to God to give him a hug. This is what the Father instantly is delighted with you, me. And so the choice we make 
to grow in favor with God is not a, a choice of like, you know, we're not like getting a scourge and whipping our backs or something. It's actually to just position ourselves in a place where we can soak in that delight, where we can look at his delight, when we can experience his favor, to bask in his love and find in that our delight in him grows stronger and stronger. This is how Jesus grew in favor with God, and it's how we will too. And so let's get practical. In this third area, just like in the first two, I challenge you to do three things, to pray it, to plan it, and to practice it. Remember that? Pray it, plan it, practice it. And so, in this third area, we want to pray first. We want to actually take this to the Father, take this to Jesus, and just have a conversation about it. Jesus, show me more about how you grew in your Father's favor. Like, as I read the scripture, and as, I, as, I'm, as I'm, I'm, I'm coming to discover more of who you are, because remember the, the very first thing, we're immersing ourselves in scripture. This is all a dynamic thing. But as we are coming to understand more clearly who God is, what he has done, who Jesus is, what he has done, Jesus, how did you grow in favor with your father? And then just flat out say, I want to grow in favor. I want to grow in this experience of the father's delight. Would you help me? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to see and taste and experience. We start by praying it. Name it. Name your hang-ups. Name the things that get in the way. Name the distractions. Name the fact that you feel, maybe you feel like a sudden burden when you just think about, you know, it's like some of you when you go shopping and you feel a sudden tiredness just descend on your entire body after five minutes at the mall. Anyone? Um... You can get that kind of experience when you come to something like prayer. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, I mean, you can, you can focus on a, a lot of things for a long period of time. You shift to something like prayer, and it's like, I'm falling asleep. I get it. So just say it. Talk, talk to the Father about that. Express. Pray it. And say, Jesus, I want to grow. I want to grow in favor with your Father. I want to grow in favor with my Father. Would you teach me and lead me in that? We start by praying it. And then we start planning it. We ask Jesus, Jesus, what's the one thing in my life that if I could implement this practice, um, it will actually help me grow in favor with the Father? Now, it's going to be time spent with. We know that. There is no way around this one, friends. It has to include something on your calendar. Right? I mean, either on, like you wrote it down, it's going to show up in your calendar somewhere because time spent with is a non-negotiable. We can't grow in favor with God without spending time with him, just like any other relationship in your life. So when you think, you're asking Jesus, what's the one thing I can implement? You're, you're maybe being a little more specific. Like, Jesus, where do you want me to implement some time spent with and what should that look like? And h- how can I engage? What's the one thing I could do this week? Um, maybe it's, I'm, I'm going to deliberately on Wednesday afternoon, I have some time, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to make that a conversation with the Father. Okay, implement that. Put it in your calendar. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's, it's a sort of a regular daily thing. Uh, I, I don't know what it is for you, but ask the question, how do I implement this? Ask Jesus to help you implement the time spent with so that you, like him, are growing in favor with the Father. So what's the one thing that you need to plan? 
And then, of course, the third one is to practice it. To actually, and uh, sometimes we need help with that, right? We need someone to keep us accountable. We need someone to kick us in the butt. We need someone to give us a call. Whatever you need, but practice it. And as you're practicing, I like that word practice indicates that you might find, that didn't really work for me. Okay, great. Pick it up. Do something different. Um, Or I'm going to try this. Or I'm going to get some counsel. Or I'm going to walk with a spiritual friend and talk this over with them. I don't know what it might take, but practicing it is crucial. If we just prayed it and planned it and didn't do anything with it, guess what? We're like the house in Luke 6 that Jesus talked about, right? Those who come to me and hear my words and don't put them into practice, they're like a guy who builds a house on the ground without a foundation, Jesus said. And the moment the torrent hits that house, it collapses. It's not a good foundation. The foundation is the putting into practice the truth of the Scripture, the truth of Jesus. And so this practicing bit is absolutely crucial. We pray it, we plan it, and we practice it. And together, we will grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and next week we'll explore favor with people. We're going to participate in communion today, and what's so interesting, of course, is the Holy Spirit uses communion coming to the table of communion to actually point us every time we come, point us to the main thing. This is all about, is one of the primary ways Christians have down through the centuries remembered together the main point of the story is communion with the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. This forms the center of our lives, the very essence and purpose for which we live. And so we come to the table today to actually feel the Father's delight in us, to hear the Son's love, to receive the Spirit's gifts. We come to the table not as a way that we can curry favor with God. Of course not. We come because under His grace, his caress, his delight in us. We grow in that sense of God's favor upon us through Jesus. What brings God delight? You do. (laughs) You do. And as you come to communion today, my hope and my prayer is that you will hear by the Spirit, through the work of Jesus, the Father's voice speaking over you, saying, you are my son. You are my daughter. I delight in you. I am well pleased with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to grow in favor with the Father just like you did. Would you lead us in that? Would you send your Holy Spirit again so that we realize that all that we see about you was you working on our behalf so that we could get in on this beautiful relationship, this beautiful friendship, so that we could relate to your Father as our Father. And so today, for each one of us, as we come to this table of grace, this table of caress, table of favor, we would come because we know you want us here. 
because we know you delight in us. Not because of what we've done, but because of who we are. And through the work of Jesus, we are yours. (laughs) You call us your own. Lord, there may be things in our lives that are standing in the way of us coming to you. It could be sin. It could be destructive habits. It could be gossip. Hurt. It could be that some of us are carrying um, so much guilt and shame because we've not been loved. Because our earthly fathers and mothers did not delight in us. And I'm grateful that as we come to the table today, we come as people who are known by you and loved. And so for each one of us today, Lord, if there is something in particular that is causing us fear, inappropriate fear, causing us shame, causing us to shrink back, would you by your spirit sweep that away? And would we experience your delight today? Would we hear your words speaking delight over us? Thank you for this opportunity we have to gather for communion. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.